Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today we're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about sex from the standpoint of uh, integrative sexual health. That's the title of a book for which I recently wrote a chapter. Uh, it is part of the Weill Integrative Medicine Library. With me is one of my co-authors. She's Madeline Castellanos. She's an MD. She's a psychiatrist who specializes in integrative sexual health. That's the nature of her practice. She's a holistic nutritional psychiatrist. She uses a functional medicine approach to health and wellness. And she's got 15 years of specialty in sex therapy with couples and individuals treating all forms of sexual dysfunction. Uh, and uh, she is unique in that she uses a, a functional medicine approach. So we're going to find out about it and we're going to find out a little bit about uh, the ins and outs uh, especially of female sexual dysfunction. Uh, men have an advantage because, well, you know, there's all kind of medications out there. And uh, men, uh, while they have a lot of sexual problems, uh, there's a little bit more of a hydraulic component uh, to getting men to perform sexually. And so we're going to focus on uh, female uh, physiology and uh, what's going on with uh, all the problems that women are experiencing in regards to uh, sexual satisfaction. So it's with great pleasure uh, to have you on the program, Madeline. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Ron. Thank you so much for being here. You know, your podcast provides just amazing information for people, and, and I'm very glad to be here for, for the second time now. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, this is a this is a repeat visit for you because uh, you've graced our airwaves in the past uh, with the discussion of issues related to this. But so, first of all, uh, what is an integrative sex therapist, and, and how might your approach differ from uh, other sex therapists who work along these lines? Sure. So, because I am an MD, I have the advantage of being able to combine the psychological treatment which is classic sex therapy for Masters and Johnsons, I, I guess, if you will, and also the biological aspect of that, which could be hormone replacement, checking hormone levels, also metabolism, because there's so many different things that can affect sexual functioning physically. 
and being able to address both of those with the patient. So the majority of sex therapists are psychologists or uh, licensed clinical social workers, marriage and family therapists. So they can do the psychological aspect, and certainly they might have some idea that there might be a physical problem, but they themselves can't really address that physical problem. So it's nice to be able to do both together and explain that to the patient and integrate those. Indeed. And well, you have the prescription pad and also you have the ability to do a variety of tests that uh, other types of sex therapists can't do. Uh, but you, there, you also bring a, a, a holistic, nutritional, integrative uh, perspective to this problem. So, so does that actually make a difference? Is that a missing ingredient uh, in achieving uh, sexual satisfaction for some people? Well, I think it makes a big difference because, you know, when we look at functional medicine, if we look at symptoms that arise in a person from a functional medicine perspective or model, which is a systems biology approach, we see that inflammation is a huge driver. That's sort of step one in the cascade, which then ends up being symptoms for somebody. And when we use a systems approach and we think of functional medicine, which is a much more, um, I don't know, biological, I don't want to say biological based because then it gets confused with biologic medications, which is quite different. But when we look at what's driving inflammation and look at root cause and solve it that way, we are not only resolving the symptoms that that person's having, but also improving their overall general health, decreasing their risk for other issues. And sexuality, desire for, to have sex, sexual pleasure, etc., really is this intersection between how you're feeling emotionally and how you're feeling physically. Because emotionally, if you're not in a good place, you're not going to have as much pleasure. And physically, if you're not in a good place, you're also going to have a decrease in pleasure. So where those two intersect, that's the opportunity to have the, the best outcome for somebody. Right. It, it seems to be a hallmark of uh, balanced health in, in some ways, uh, although it's not as integral to health as uh, adequate uh, hydration, food, sleep, uh, exercise. But it's, it's somewhere in the hierarchy of uh, optimal uh, portfolio of uh, lifestyle practices uh, that seem to further uh, health and longevity and well-being. Absolutely. I think, you, I mean, absolutely correct. It's not on the higher, you know, it's not at the same level as, you, you know, hydration, <laughs> which you, right. you could go without having sexual activity and still be alive. But it definitely, definitely improves your your overall health. So we know that people that have regular satisfying sexual activity have better blood pressure, we know they have better overall circulation, and so therefore they have better blood flow to their brain. So it helps protect their mood. It helps protect their cognitive functioning. I think there was a study that even said it improves uh, eye, you know, eyesight because of blood flow. It helps stabilize hormones. It's it's just it's really a whole body experience, and the hormones that are released when you are having sexual activity, they. They contribute to health all over your body, just as growth hormone released from your brain in response to an injury may be used by any cell of the body for repair. So it really can be considered uh, you know, part of an overall healthy lifestyle. So uh, can you give us some uh, figures, and let's focus particularly on uh, female uh, issues, because uh, you wrote a, a really wonderful chapter. It's actually the very first chapter in, in this uh comprehensive text, integrative sexual health. And it really, I think it's a great uh, keynote for the whole 
you know, all the subsequent chapters. Uh, it's a deep dive into female sexual biochemistry, and it, it, it's very, very complex. You, you did a very scholarly uh, take on, you know, the balance of the hormones and all the factors that are involved uh, in uh, female sexual response. Uh, it's a deep dive for uh, astute uh, intelligent medicine listeners, or especially some of the clinicians in our audience. It's a great introduction. So congratulations. But um, can you give us some statistics on uh, how prevalent uh, problems are, uh, especially from the female side? Well, I would say I, I don't have the hard numbers in front of me, but I would say for women, so when you're talking about sexual dysfunction, there's a lot of different types of sexual dysfunction. So women can have pain with intercourse, and that could be due to infections or due to something that's called vulvodynia, which more and more we're starting to understand it could be an autoimmune process. So that could be in younger women. That's not necessarily associated with menopause or lack of estrogen. Correct. Although lack of estrogen can contribute to vulvodynia, and some women using birth control pills because of its effect on testosterone and to some extent estrogen can develop vulvodynia. I think the major problem, though, and, and the, one of the most prevalent and most difficult ones to treat is low sexual desire. Mm-hmm. And I would say... Which, which actually is, is, a, is a disorder. It's actually defined as a medical disorder, uh, uh, hyposexuality or low desire. Right. So yeah. hypoactive yeah. sexual desire disorder is now uh, an, an official diagnosis in the DSM. So we can get insurance billing and medications to go with it. <laughs> but, but I mean, we've recognized this a problem as a problem for a very long time. And um, certainly after Masters and Johnson, um, Helen Kaplan, you know, she, she was the one that included sexual desire in the sexual response cycle because she said, well, you know, you can have arousal and you can have plateau and orgasm and resolution, but if you don't have desire, you're never getting to any of those stages. Mm-hmm. So, and that was that was decades ago. So we understand that sexual desire is a problem, and for women, and, and for men too, I'm sure it's it's multifactorial. Hormones are just one aspect of them of, of problems with desire, but they can be a very significant part of what contributes to low sexual desire. And, you know, so there's the, really the, the holy grail in uh, uh, pharmaceutical research uh, is to come up with a comparable uh, uh, ED medication, uh, you know, the, the medications that work for men uh, that work comparably for women. But you can give, them, give women uh, boatloads of uh, Viagra, uh, Levitra, Cialis, and uh, it usually doesn't work, does it? Well, you know, I love this question. It's so interesting that you said that. So the PDE5 inhibitors like Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, they actually do work in women. They they do the same thing in women as they do in men, which is they prevent the breakdown of nitric oxide. So there's more, you know, vasodilation and uh, engorgement of the erectile tissue, which then in a man causes an erection. The issue is that most of a woman's erectile tissue is internal. So she's got almost as much erectile tissue as a man does. And it's the entire complex of the clitoris, the um, the bulbs that surround the vaginal opening, the urethral sponge, the perineal sponge. All of that erectile tissue, however, is internal. And because a woman has that tissue internally, she has a lot less sensation that it's actually engorged until it has been for a while and perhaps she gets lubricated after 
you know, minutes of this happening. Many, so many so there are those obvious manifestations, shall we say, delicately in terms of uh, right. successful uh, uh, achievement of uh, sexual arousal. Right. So the the interesting thing is that because a man's erectile tissue is on the outside of his body in the form of his penis, correct, he has a lifetime of biofeedback. Okay. You know, of actually learning of, hey, this is happening in my in my genitals right now, and it's paired with I'm watching this activity, or I'm listening to this conversation, or I'm looking at this picture. And so he has a lifetime of training of matching those two together. And for men, there is definitely a very strong concordance between psychological arousal and physiological arousal. In women, however, they don't have this feedback mechanism. And so there is this... Um, discordance with when they're psychologically aroused and physiologically aroused. And what that means is they can be physiological aroused, but not necessarily psychologically be aware that they are aroused. And so it, it's tricky because the Viagra will cause that vasocongestion in the erectile tissues. After many minutes, it will cause some increase in lubrication, but they may not necessarily in their brain pair that up with being aroused for sexual activity. They need something else that's psychological to go along with that. Well, yeah, it, it's been said uh, frequently, and it's become sort of a meme, uh, that uh, a woman's most important sex organ is her brain. Right. Uh, to, to some extent, is, is that true? Is that uh, psychological factors may play a greater role in women than in men uh, in achieving uh, arousal and uh, sexual satisfaction? I think for women... You know, having psychological arousal is absolutely key. And, and yeah, I, I think uh, if, if you want to learn how to stimulate a woman, you need to learn how to stimulate her between her ears. Um, okay. <laughs> that's, that's really what it comes down to. Because think about it. We, we can have orgasms in our sleep, right? We don't have to have actual touch to have orgasms. It's if your psychological arousal is that high, then you can trigger an orgasm. Of course, while you're awake... It helps to have, you know, proper physical stimulation, but the eroticism, what a woman's thinking about is going to create a huge benefit for her. And the trick is that estrogen, testosterone, you know, they also are going to regulate how much serotonin and dopamine are released. And so it's, it's this constant feedback where they can enhance each other. So if you have good estrogen levels, if you have good testosterone levels, it's easier for you to get psychologically aroused. But you still need that stimulus of the psychological arousal. Well, recently, yeah, there was a big splash because they introduced a new uh, so-called uh, female Viagra. It's called uh, Agi, I think is the name, or Philbanserin yeah, is the name. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, it... Uh, it's kind of a flop. It, it just didn't really seem to take off. I mean, it, it, you hear a lot about Viagra, but you don't hear much about Adji. Why is that? So, you know, Addy had a lot of problems. One of the problems was that the FDA put some very strict requirements on there. And I think practitioners, number one, were, were they were afraid to have that conversation with women because it had this uh, warning about alcohol. So basically they had to get a woman to sign a release saying that she understood that while she was taking Addie, she would not drink any alcohol. And that if she drank alcohol, she could, you know, faint, pass out, you know, have a syncopal episode. 
And that, that I puts think a little bit of a damper on dating. Okay. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people. It's you know, nothing like have... uh, you know making a you know a romantic uh, uh, evening end in a a syncopal episode. I don't no, think that's going to no. be too romantic. No, and then that's already in their mind of like, well, I can't drink wine. Um, not not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but just the whole process of having to go through that consent and signing the release. Then there was also questions about when it was it was purchased by a pharmaceutical company, and then it was very expensive, and it was hard to get insurance companies to pay for it. So there was some obstacles in discussing it as treatment, and there were some obstacles to actually getting it in the pharmacies. So, but for, you know, women that have actually taken it will say that they actually have more desire and that it works for them. Okay, so. so a, a, a- a qualified success, but uh, often we talk about uh, hormone therapy as a yeah. way of alleviating uh, sexual dysfunction, but it doesn't quite uh, work in such a linear fashion. It's thought that at least part of women's sexual response is due to the small amounts of testosterone uh, that they have, and testosterone has been proposed as something that could enhance women's uh, libido and sexual response, but it's uh, it's it's not that clearly beneficial is it it's interesting testosterone uh, i i think is wonderful and if a woman is deficient in testosterone i think it would be very uh, very wise to look into actually seeing if, if testosterone replacement is good for her like as, it, a, as a topical like usually as a, as a, a cream that's applied to the skin or sometimes applied locally vaginally so i prefer the topical preparations because number one you can control the dose much more easily. And number two, it more approximates physiological dosing, mm-hmm. whereas uh, injections would be like once a week, you get a yeah. little bit of super physiological, you know, uh, level of testosterone then tapers off. And then pellets, which, you know, you get really super physiological dosing, and then it tapers off. And I've seen some people get pellets and then have male level testosterone. Right. And, and I'm like, no, that's not. <laughs> that's not desirable. We don't want those side effects, you know, no. hair thinning and facial hair and so on. Right, right. So testosterone and estrogen help work together to increase uh, dopamine, uh, dopamine release in the brain when there's stimulus, serotonin release in the brain when there's particular stimulus. And so those are very helpful. And, of course, if you are deficient in estrogen and or testosterone and you have physiological symptoms such as vaginal dryness, thinning of the labia, decreased sensation in the clitoris, um, you know, spotting, perhaps bleeding, friable tissues of the vaginal mucosa. And those things cause pain or discomfort. Right. And, and if that, it hurts, you're just not going to enjoy yourself. If right. It's, if it's associated, I mean, you know, sex that's associated with pain. I mean, uh, right. that may you're be training for, yourself for a certain segment of the population. And that's not, you know, whips and chains right. are not. <laughs> standard right. standard so, accoutrements. So what happens is once women get the hormone replacement, they then have to get resolution in those tissues and then go back to experiencing it differently. And then their brain has to learn, oh, this doesn't hurt. Right. You almost and have to I, like, like uh, decondition yourself from the aversive yeah. associations with That's sex. Exactly, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, because it it's just becomes almost like a conditioned response, like this is going to hurt, uh, you know, my muscles are going to go into spasm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to relax, and so on. Yeah, that can right. be a problem. So what are some of the other robbers of uh, women's sexuality these days? I mean, a lot of women, uh, 
unfortunately, statistics reflect that fully uh, one quarter of women are taking antidepressants, I think, according to the last, uh, last statistics. Um, also, oral contraceptives frequently used. What can they do? So the oral contraceptives can um, decrease testosterone levels to the point where you're, the nerve endings there around the vaginal opening of the clitoris aren't getting enough support because they are testosterone dependent. And mm. then those nerves can actually end up causing pain to the touch, which obviously would uh, be a deterrent for sexual activity, but even just caressing, it could be that painful. And so uh, uh, oral contraceptives can also affect mood. They can, they sort of, they're chemical castration, so they sort of flatten out your cycle. Mm -hmm. And there are studies that show that when a woman's ovulating and her testosterone levels and estrogen levels peak, she actually has a lot more sexual desire. And that is flattened out when she's on hormone contraceptive. Um, Well, you know, it just strikes me that if men were offered that option, (laughs) uh, you know, it's like, here's this male contraceptive pill. It's just going to really reduce your risk of impregnating a female. But also you will have mood problems. You will have a lowered uh, sex drive. I don't think you'd get a single man in the United States to take that kind of medication. So it's really kind of a double standard. It's like women are responsible for, you know, the uh, family planning aspect of things. And yet they take upon themselves such a big burden of potential side effects. I don't know if women actually know the burden it's, of the I guess it's an awareness effects. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I don't, I, I mean, I myself took birth control for at least a decade and I, I'd never had anybody tell me that there would be mood issues. I never had anybody tell me that it would affect my libido. I never had anybody tell me it give me increased risk for cancer. Um, and, and, you know, there's also studies that show that women on birth control pills have a higher risk of suicide, higher risk of depression. Nobody ever discussed blood any Blood clots, you name it. Blood. Yeah. The blood clots was dis- described to me. That I knew about. But that was yeah. the only thing. And I knew I wasn't increased risk for clotting. I knew I, I wasn't a smoker. And so I figured, oh, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. Right. <laughs> right. It, yeah. Th- it, this was, I think... Uh, minimize. And in fact, I think they even made a case for the fact that, oh, because you're, you'll be free of worries about getting pregnant, uh, you'll enjoy sex even more. Not so much. I, you know what? I can't, it, again, it's, we can't make general blanket statements because it's different for everybody. And I have seen women that when they get into menopause, their libido really takes off for that exact reason that you just said, which is now mm-hmm. they're free of this yeah. idea, oh, I can't get pregnant anymore. Therefore, I'm I'm just going to do it whenever I can. And I, for some women that get birth control, it does help free them up, particularly if they're anxious about becoming pregnant and how that could impact their lives. Mm-hmm. So it's it, you have to look at it case-by-case case basis. The other factor you have to consider that I'm not sure we have uh, good science for right now is that how you're affected by these things also depends on the efficiency of your testosterone receptors, the efficiency of your estrogen receptors, the efficiency of your dopamine receptors, the efficiency of your serotonin receptors. We're just starting to learn. Which, which varies that. genetically it's, and by individual, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then I guess among the worst are the uh, injectable ones or like things like uh, Depo-Provera, which right. has a lot of bad side effects. Progesterone in that form is really a libido killer. And it's it's considered, you know, I guess sort of the the, the poor woman's uh, version of contraception. It's you don't have to take the pill, you get a shot, and boom, you know, you don't get pregnant. But uh, yeah. very devastating effects on mood and sexual response, right? 
Well, that's so Deepa midroxyprogesterone, and it is a progestin that has actually been shown to cause cancer. And that's alarming because, as you said, a lot of women are offered this as a low-cost, easy, I-don't-have-to-think-about-it type of birth control. And it's, I think it's quite harmful. I think it really inclu- increases your risk for blood clots. It has the opposite effect that natural progesterone has on your arteries, which is vasoconstriction instead of vasodilation. We want vasodilation, not vasoconstriction. And so, and again, as you said, it it's once it's injected, it's going to last for months mm-hmm. and months and months. Plus, it makes you so, gain a lot of weight. That's the other yeah. thing. All right. We want to tackle also uh, the issues related to antidepressants. I mean, depression itself, it puts a damper on sexual response. And then uh, top it off with antidepressants, uh, which have their own unique effects. We'll explore that uh, with today's guest, Madeline Castellanos. Uh, She's uh, an integrative uh, sex therapist, a holistic nutritional psychiatrist. And uh, do you want to give some information about your, your practice? You actually, you practice in both Florida and New York, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So I've had an office of private practice in New York for quite some time. I've been a psychiatrist for 22 years now, and I have been. That's impossible because you must have been. You must like you must have been Doogie Howser, like Doogie Howser, MD. Because uh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it it couldn't be. I mean, to look at you, it's hard to believe. But all right, thank you. You're a veteran. You know what? Good skin and and good hydration and uh, avoiding nasty vegetable oil. Um, so and taking my estrogen because I actually had a surgical menopause ten oh. years ago. Oh, okay. So when I got into functional medicine about a decade ago, it was because I had this surgical menopause, and my OBGYN really, really did not want to give me hormone replacement, and didn't even really want to have the discussion with me and just assumed and told me that I would be fine because I was young and my adrenal glands would pick up the slack. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, as I watched right. my muscles melt away, you know, I was like, look, I weigh 100 pounds. I can't afford to have my muscles melt away, much less my relationship, you know, uh, go to pots because I now have also pain and all that goes along with that. So I started investigating and now I, I do functional medicine and I have both. I see patients who want to just do functional medicine. I see patients who want to just do sex therapy. And I have some patients that are doing both because they're all it's all blended together. I have an office in Manhattan and an office in Boca Raton. And I go back and forth every other week. Okay, is there a website? Yes. So I have uh, for my original sex therapy practice, it's thesexmd.com. And for my functional medicine practice, it's thebodymindmd.com. Okay, great. Uh, Madeline, stay with us because uh, we got lots more to discuss in, in part two. We'll take up uh, issues related to uh, depression, uh, the effects of antidepressants, also uh, lifestyle factors, uh, things like um, thyroid issues. Uh, who knew that those actually have an impact on uh, sexual performance as well as uh, dietary issues? And are there supplements that can enhance sexual performance, particularly for women. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.